does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Play action. Mayfield in the pocket. Steps up. Rifles it over the middle. Picked off by the Colts. And that's Ronnie Harrison. Minshew out of the gun. First and goal for the Colts at the four. And they hand it off to Taylor. Left side. Spinning his way towards the goal line. He's in. Touchdown. Shotgun snap. Minshew flies it upfield. Catch. Run after the catch. Michael Pittman Jr. scurrying down the far sideline. He was wide open in the far flat and then rumbles down to the 30 yard line gain of 23 yards rolling out right is Gardner Minshew he's at the five gonna take off and run makes a man miss and knights his way into the end zone touchdown Minshew turns no it's play action throws over the middle wide open Molali Cox he's at the 30 the 25 and then it's pushed forward down to the 20 yard line making more at the 19 for a gain of 30 yards looking for a touchdown here 745 to go in the fourth quarter the Colts lead by three and she goes out of the gun. Ball between the hash marks. Gives it to Taylor. And he backpedals his way in. Touchdown! Jonathan Taylor! And here is a mega, a monstrous, an enormous third down and three coming up for the Tampa yeah, Bay Buccaneers. And, and they, they got two downs to get it. So Shotgun snap for Mayfield. In the pocket. The ball is stripped. The ball is Ebu out. Khan. Around the 38-yard line. Khan. No signal yet. Colts ball! It's Colts ball with a recovery by Dio and a strip sack by Samson Ebicom. It's huge, you know. I mean, I think from here on out, we're, we're kind of in that playoff mentality. Uh, we have everything we want in front of us, but we just got to take it one game at a time. I think it's big, obviously, playing your best football in November and December to give yourself a chance there to get in. It's huge, but we got to take it one game at a time. And obviously, going, you know, having a division opponent on the road with Tennessee coming up. I uh, got a lot of respect for them, but we got to prepare the right way uh, and be ready to go. The sights and sounds of a Sunday. We wake up on this Monday after a Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. You're all dreary-eyed dreary walking into work today, but you walk in with the Indianapolis Colts. Right now, if the playoffs started, they would be in. Welcome. Hey, good morning to you. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. We got you all the way until 10 o'clock, 239-1070. You want to hop in on any of the discussion. Uh, Indiana basketball winners, Tom Allen fired the Colts winners. Purdue wins Maui. How about that? Going back to last week, a ton to cover this morning. But right now, the big story, if it were to start today, which it doesn't, six games to go, the Colts, the seven seed, not something you'd be thinking we'd be talking about after Thanksgiving. Good morning. You know, good morning to you, Andy. Good morning to Mark. And I hope uh, echo what you just said. Hope everybody had a great and safe Thanksgiving out there. Uh, you know, when Friday rolls around, Andy, it'll be December 1st, and we'll talk about the Colts and Titans in week, what is it, 13, I guess. And when that 
month of December is here, we're talking about a Colts team above 500. Like that maybe stands out to me more than they're in the playoffs. You know, sure. okay, yeah, they they are in that seventh. They even spot won a and, game at home. How about that? You know, obviously, you just look at okay. If Jake Elliott misses a 59 yard field goal yesterday, then Buffalo has that seventh playoff spot. But for me, it's more of the record. It's more of six and five. And I, I found it so fitting. And that was the first time I've heard the uh, intro that Mark Dykton. Uh, produces every single Monday here after a Colts game. That was the first time that I had heard it, and I feel like the song Taking Care of Business is so (laughs) apropos for the Colts. I mean, Andy, it hasn't been the cleanest, prettiest. You're not leading off Sunday night football highlights. Peter King's Monday morning quarterback column barely has a mention of the Colts, but they're just doing what they need to do, and that's taking care of teams that show up on their schedule. Doesn't have to be the prettiest output. There's no pictures on the scorecard. You're 6-5. and five. You're going to enter December above 500, and, and you are, you're creating playoff hope. Teams are helping you create that as well, but you're doing your part, and I thought no bigger play yesterday than Rick Venturi mentioning several times there. It was indeed Samson Ebukam with the close, with slam the door shut type of play. Uh, monumental, and really capped quite the entertaining uh, handful of sports days that we've had since we last spoke. Are you tired today? Do you, are you supposed to be refreshed after days off from work and a long weekend? Is anyone refreshed or is everyone tired and dreary-eyed going into work this morning? The weather does not help. <laughs> the weather doesn't help. It is freezing, by the way, well, on this and Monday then two morning. things happen to, like, to, you know, it's a great weekend. I hope everyone had, you know, a great time. Family, friends, football, basketball, and everything else. If you're an Indiana football fan, we'll dive into Tom Allen, Purdue basketball. So damn good in Maui. We can dive into probably a little bit of that. Uh, Pacers over the weekend. So much to do and we'll obviously talk a bunch of Colts. 2-3-9-10-70 but two things happen. You know fourth, about 4-40 or so IU tipped off and I'm like what a sleepy terrible, is that a terrible time to have a basketball game is what I was thinking if you're an Indiana fan just because it's so tired and then we turn you tr- then you turn on the TV last night and we have Jason Garrett to end our uh, to end our Thanksgiving weekend KB. Not the way we wanted to go. Not was the Collinsworth- way. Alive? I, 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 I don't know. Jack was there, uh, but Chris was not there. They so. said he was spending time with his family, and Jack Collinsworth is there. So what does <laughs> well, that tell you? Right Honestly, there. I'd probably want to stay away from Jack as much as possible, but too, I, if I were Chris I, I mean, just for me, the Colts, and we talked about it back when they were 3-5. and five. We said, hey, there's two winnable games here. You're not playing good football. At that point, the quarterback position in Gardner Minshew, who we can get to this morning, was you know kind of leaking oil. And it's like, well, can you get to 5-5 five and five and then hit that bye week? You know, I, I kind of named it Operation 5-5, five and five, get there. Beat the Panthers. They stink. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised this morning if I look up on one of these TVs above you, Kevin, and, and Frank Reich's fired. He or Brandon Staley sure. uh, would not surprise me whatsoever. And so, you know, you're watching that. Okay, you win that game. It's ugly. It's the Kenny Moore game. He's the defensive, you know, AFC player of the week and everything else. And then you go, and it, it ain't easy. Uh, but you beat a bad Patriots team. You get to 5-5. Five and five, And then Shane Steichen and his coaching staff completely outcoached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think, you know, a big 
takeaway is Steichen. I know a lot of the columnists and everything else have written that, and we've talked about it. That's a big picture, but in the small picture, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, now these final six weeks, you get to play for something, and that means something for this organization. It means something for a rookie head coach. It means something for a young team that this season, whether AR was injured or not, but then go back to that injury. This season could have been something different, and it and it hasn't been. It, it's been a winning season. It's been a let's create hope season, not only for this year, but for me, for other years. And when you see some of these young defensive players, uh, maybe guys getting more snaps, we'll get to the Shaq Leonard stuff. It was weird that he was there. Um, but man, I tell you what, making Baker Mayfield feel that pressure, the quarterback pressures, the quarterback hits, the sacks, ending the game, the ballsiness from Steichen, which I know we can get into uh, as well. Boy, the Colts did what they needed to do. They've won three straight. I, I mean, there's no reason why that ga- that can't be a close game in Nashville on Sunday. No reason. Well, I would hope, yeah. I mean, Colts are actually a slight favorite <coughs> opening up uh, here in Week 13. Um yeah, first three game win streak since last uh, December twenty twenty one. You got to go back obviously a full year after just winning four games last year. Um, so many things I think you point to game wise, and Ronnie Harrison Jr. one of the early heroes of that one. Just a wild story. I, I, I'll be totally honest. I thought it was extremely odd initially the Shaquille Leonard tribute video. I was like, what is going on here? He's in the building, um, and then I, I quickly was like, wow, that was that. That's a pretty cool moment. That like. You can have that, and both parties can kind of put whatever differences clearly um, is at play here, and you can have that. And then fittingly, weirdly, ironically, everyone described that Ronnie Harrison makes the play that Shaq Leonard hasn't made right. in you know so many games. Um, so he's going to join us coming up here at 9.30. Zach Osterman, by the way, from the Star. We'll talk Tom Allen and that firing and where IU goes from here in just a second. Um, but I, I, I go back to the close of it, Andy, because you and I talked about this after that Browns game where you had moments to slam the door shut. And if you go back to last season, whether it was the Eagles driving late on you, whether it was the Commanders driving late on you, whether it was the Texans driving late on you, the inability to have games at in your own building, sitting on a platter, and then fumbling it away has happened far too often for the Indianapolis Colts. And yesterday, sure enough, Tampa gets a crack at it. They're down seven. It's, whatever, 220 on the clock, and they get that initial first down, and I think there's just that moment of like, oh boy, here it goes again. And Samson Ebukam absolutely whips one of the best left tackles in all of football Mm -hmm. in Tristan Wirfs. He comes up with the strip sack, Dio Dangbo, Johnny on the spot, and that is how you finish. That's how you make a fourth quarter play. You don't let the other team kind of whatever, give you it, or they make the mistake. You go take it. And I thought that play has been missing for this franchise for so often. And it's why this team, a big reason why this team, has only won one of their last ten home games before yesterday. So I just thought that Ebucon play was Mariano Rivera-like, close it out, um, you know, seal that victory. Don't let more game pressure get put onto your defense like it has so often there. Yeah, you can point to different things. Obviously, the fourth and inches play call to Mo Ali Cox. I thought the duo of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss mm-hmm. looked spry, looked, you know, fresh. Yeah. Fresh. Yeah. Um, they were outstanding against a very good run it was, defense. It was a good mix. It's been lopsided the last, what, three weeks or so? Yeah, yeah we can admit that. It's been lopsided. Yeah, it, it was much more of a mix. Um, and sure, I mean, there is, def- again, it definitely was not, you know, out. 
outright 60 minutes, pretty gold standard. Gardner Minshew, you continue to overcome him. Uh, the run defense without Grover Stewart, you know, thank the Lord it's only one more game for the Colts, albeit it'll come against Derrick Henry. But his absence continues to be felt. And who knows, if Baker doesn't get hurt, I, I don't know, if Tampa punches that in, goes up 7 nothing, is it a totally different game? Who knows, but at the end of the day, you are 6-5, and five and you continue to create playoff hope. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned just the just being six and five and what that means and over five hundred going into December a road game uh, against the Titans in the AFC South and everything else. Uh, I, I I think yesterday was a mixed bag for the Colts. I mean, obviously getting the win is what mattered the most. You would I mean the Bills lost, the Broncos did win, the Texans lost. I thought they were going to end up coming back and winning again. You know when C.J. Stroud has the ball there, they're trying to kick long field goals. Uh, I, I thought you saw Cincinnati be put out of their misery and quite frankly I think you saw the Browns be put out of their misery yesterday I, I know you may think that's and, ah, they got the defense Andy and everything else they have uh is a DTR is that what he is that is that what he goes by is a DTR their quarterback I mean do you see the hit on him do you see the hit on him by I, any chance? I did not know oh dude he got absolutely crushed <laughs> this poor guy Philip Walker came back in right yeah 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 PJ Walker had to come back in and Miles Garrett is going to miss extended time Miles Garrett was in a sling I believe his left arm left shoulder left elbow he's in a sling so I'm just throwing that out there I mean this is what we're talking about now around this team is what else is going on in the NFL and I think the Browns are massively compromised even more at the quarterback position position, Miles Garrett being injured, the Texans back down to earth. I mean, I think the Bills are right s- sitting right on the edge of of not making it. I mean, I saw you saw that leading by two scores in the second half against Philadelphia, but you know, I was I didn't know how this team, this Colts team was going to react on Sunday. I didn't. I picked them to win. I almost nailed the score. I think we all did, except, well, Mark didn't. I, Mark took the bucks. It's okay, Mark. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I'm I, not perfect. I thought about, flip, I thought about flip-flopping them uh, as well. And, and you're right. Listen, there's some negative here. I thought they got away from JT a little bit. I thought, you know, I think Steichen feels like, listening to Venturi a lot, I, I think Steichen feels like, I gotta throw myself out of these big defenses, right? These defenses are just yeah. sitting on us on the line of scrimmage. He doesn't really I play got, to maybe his team yeah, strengths. He says, okay, what do they yeah, do well? And let's it, let's try and counter yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I think he feels like he has to do that. And maybe he did that enough to open up the running game. I thought their four or five runs where Jonathan Taylor looked fantastic and made something out of not very much. And I don't know. You wake up today. You're done with Thanksgiving. Christmas is on the horizon. And if you're a Colts fan, you're playing December football that absolutely matters. And you look at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I know they won and they outlasted Carolina. I shouldn't use that as a double standard because you know they won by seven. It wasn't like the Colts did some some you know great feat. But I mean, Will Levis hasn't done anything the last two or three games. I have it. Will Levis hasn't done very much. He's had a QBR of like thirty eight. So I, You're I mean, still listen, drinking coffee and mayo on Friday. I, I guess we'll do that on Friday. I have no problem. Let's do it. I mean, listen, Colts are playing games that matter in, in December. I'll drink some damn coffee with mayo. Let's go again. Ronnie Harrison go. Jr. At nine thirty, we will talk IU football coming up at nine oh five. The firing of Tom Allen officially announced late yesterday morning. Um, credit to the IU administration, and obviously credit to some financial backers, to say the least. But Andy, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight, and bringing back Tom Allen in an expanded Big Ten would have done that. Uh, never heard a negative thing about Tom Allen as a human, to be honest with you. I know certainly we've poked fun at. A snapping of the fingers, the glee club, et cetera, et cetera. That moment after the Wisconsin win a few years ago during the COVID season, that that will probably be 
kind of a lasting Tom Allen memory of you know his players mobbing him on the field after that win. And um, I do think there was a buy-in, certainly in that season. You know when you know obviously those guys' lives really and everyone's lives were, were uh, flipped upside down there. But at the end of the day, the lack of any sort of competence on offense. Um, I think is what I would point to of the downfall and the failure of the Tom Allen era, just an inconsistency to retain on that side of the ball. Um, And that's why I think an offensive-minded head coach needs to be the move here. Uh, And Tom Allen said in a statement yesterday and made it very clear um, about the financial backing from an NIL standpoint. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like now for Indiana as they make this next hire? But I had major questions whether they would actually pull the trigger on this. Um, well, we were talking about it. We were texting about it. Do you care it. enough about <laughs> IU football? Do they care enough? Do Are there people yeah. out there that care enough? And clearly... All great questions. There is enough. And if you're going to play in the Big Ten and you want to seat at that table, you better you know go ahead and, and, and do that because uh, we've seen in conference realignment the cutting of fat happens. So uh, very, very interested to see where IU turns from here. I tend to think they need to ignite something. They need to draw headlines. They need to... I don't say this hardly at all, Andy, but I think winning the press conference actually matters here. Oh, we know who you want. Tell the people. And I know I, who you want. I tweeted out Saturday and got yeah. a lot of pushback from it, but I think a guy like Antoine Randall-L uh, makes sense to me. A guy that's on Dan Campbell's staff right now, and I get it. You know, He's got very little to no experience in college football, but to me, when you talk about NIL and you talk about drawing interest to your program and what the next wave of financial backers looks like at Indiana University, that age group, Andy falls in line to when Antoine randall had that program at its, I guess, height in the last 25 years, certainly entertainment height, Sure, over the last 25 to 30 years. Uh, I don't think there's any perfect answer, to be clear, for Indiana football, but I look at it and say, why not try something outside the box? Why not do something that is a little bit different and not just hire Mac coach Paul Christ, you know, insert whoever you want to hear of a former head coach or a current Mac head coach and just kind of be run of the mill. And then you get to August next year and you're like, wait, who's Indiana's football coach again? Right. And you do the same thing in three or four years. And you just kind of get lost in the shuffle with it. It might blow up in your face, but it's Indiana football. You've been the laughing stock of college football for the last X amount of years, why not do something a little bit outside of the norm? Well, you ask if people care, and that's obviously a question that we can get to, but for me, it's, it's you know, and I'll ask Zach Osterman, like, what are they? What are they, what are they trying to be? It feels like, and I know Zach wrote about this and others have, it feels like to me they're like half pregnant, KB, and you know this following a Notre Dame team, right? Like, you understand it. Like, like it's, yes, we'll pay the head coach, We'll pay the big salary to the head coach, and we will pay these enormous buyouts, but we're not going to pay assistant coaches quite that much, and we're going to redo the stadium, but we're talking, I mean, we're There's a lot of boxes to check. Just the fact that we're talking about, well, they need to be better at NIL, I mean, you're, you're two years behind. If if we're t- I mean we're t- I, I did these in other markets I've done these conversations guys you are two years behind if Tom Allen is, is is talking about NIL if football NIL is not ready to go going into 2024 what literally have you been doing and so in some ways Indiana wants to they have all this Big Ten money right they have all this TV money they have all this conference money so they want to play the big boy game some. But if you're going to be half pregnant in college football, you're going to be three and nine. I mean, that's just what it's going to well, be. And, and, you're just going to get your head beat in. You're not going to be a bowl team. You're not going to be anything that matters. And we'll continue touching this 
throughout the show, but to me, it is just so embarrassing and pathetic as an athletic department in a football program that you can't even be Rutgers or Maryland. Yeah. Like, Rutgers and Maryland are in your division. Like you, so I, I don't want to hear any Big Ten East, Big Ten West debate. You can schedule six just wins. Be, well, and Maryland yeah. and Rutgers, they actually yeah. win Big Ten sure, games. Sure. Like, just get to that. That should be an attainable acceptable level of football and because I hear so often well you know the, the cards are stacked against us because look at the division that we're in blah 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 okay the division is very difficult why can't you be Rutgers or Maryland that's fine you you want to leave the I, that's because if you get injury. to that leave the Big Ten then if you get to that point as an athletic program now all of a sudden you are sitting a little bit more at the table and financially you are trying to fill up Memorial Stadium a little bit more than you are, and the backing is going to rise um, with that. And, and again, I go back to this bad and boring. That is yeah. such a dangerous combination right. in college football you're right. when you're playing on Saturday afternoons and you're trying to fill that stadium. They've got to find more of a jolt offensively, even if it's not perfect, even if it's only whatever, five or six wins that they're capping out at. Just create an offensive product that is a little bit more attractive uh, and I guess win, win the bucket back if you can after, after Purdue. That was a hell of an effort, by the way, by Hudson Card and playing in that game. That's your guy. You and, love Hudson uh, Card. I, I do. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that dual threat nature, but Purdue <laughs> does retain the bucket there as Ryan Walters' first season four wins. Imagine having the over-under of Indiana three and a half wins uh, come down to that last drive. Uh, that was the season over-under for Indiana. And they do not eclipse it there yeah. with Tom Allen being fired. How many people listening were buying into the uh, to the IU football over? That's what I would love to know. The percentage of bets taken on that. We appreciate all audience members, Whoa. degenerate or yes, not, here on this Monday morning. Thank you for spending it with us. Again, it is chilly. We will get to Zach Osterman from the Star. He was all over it yesterday. He's got some candidate lists to throw out there uh, in terms of uh, where Indiana will go here in the post-Tom Allen era. It's the first outside of the building head coach search, if you will, since Kevin Wilson was hired over a decade ago. And again, Ronnie Harrison Jr., after his interception yesterday, he's going to join us coming up at 9.30. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us. It's the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. Let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star joins us talking about the firing of Tom Allen and what is next. Zach, good morning, sir. How are you? How are we doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, he got some money on the way out. I want to dive into uh, the uh, the buyout in the meeting in the middle, if you will, with Tom Allen. But let's start here with the Allen firing. Uh, you know, he said IU needs to adapt. He said that multiple times, said it before he was fired, released a statement after he was fired as well, that IU needs to adapt to an ever-changing landscape. What specifically did Tom Allen mean? Yeah, my suspicion, obviously, I don't want to put words in his mouth. My, my suspicion is is NIL um, and, and really emphasizing NIL in football. And I think that's something that, you know, I think Indiana probably, you know, sort of, I don't want to say struggle to figure out, but I think, I think you know, NIL is something where I think, you know, if, it, if you're a football school, your basketball program, if you're a basketball school, your football program, I think, I think, People sort of, it was really easy to figure out kind of NIL for your primary um, program kind of in the early days of name, image, and likeness, if you understand what I mean. But I think figuring out strategies for, you know, maybe the secondary programs, the non-revenue sports, et cetera, I think kind of had to evolve over time. And particularly if, 
you know, you're a basketball school trying to figure out how to make NIL work for a football team with 85 scholarship players and, you know, all the math that comes with that. Um, I think I, I do – I am pretty confident saying Indiana's come a, a fair ways with NIL in probably the last 12 to 18 months. And, and my understanding is in, uh, Indiana is prepared to – I don't know the exact number, um, but, but, you know, what I was told was millions, plural – um, to put into the hands of its next head coach. So I think Indiana, you know, wants that to be uh, part of the appeal of the job rather than maybe a drawback of the job as it takes it into the market here. Um, but, you know, listen, when, when you're in a, a conference with the Michigans, the Penn States, the Ohio States, there's always going to be somebody in that world that you feel like you're looking up to, you know, from a resources perspective. And I think Indiana, probably like a lot of schools, you know, kind of the – the hazy middle, you know, bottom half, maybe the Big Ten, has got to figure out how to kind of maximize NIL in a way that keeps them, you know, at the top of the pile of, let's say, the the, the teams between 6th and 12th. And Zach Osterman broke the news yesterday and had a very, very busy day. So, Zach, appreciate first credit to that and appreciate the time here on this Monday morning. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I I do want to go back to the buyout money because I I think it's a general curiosity a lot of people have of like, okay, where does this money come from? Um, We saw the announcement yesterday, the buyout that was $20 million. Uh, negotiated down to fifteen and a half million. That'll be paid in two uh, installments. Um, is it fair to say that that just means Tom Allen got more money up front? And then where exactly does that money come from? Yeah. So basically, the way Allen's buyout worked, if 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 they just done it according to the terms of his contract, they essentially would have just kept paying him his monthly salary for four more years. Um, all of his guaranteed income. So in his in his contract, the, the, the three sources of income that were guaranteed that weren't like performance-based or, or, you know, bonuses, incentives, were his base pay, um, some, deferred, some deferred pay, and what's called outside marketing and promotional income, which is basically the part of a contract that allows the university to say a state employee is only making $500,000 in base salary. Um, but allows them to pay a football coach four or five million dollars a year. Um, essentially, if 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 everyone had just kind of gone with your, the terms of the contract, Indiana would have just made those monthly payments to Tom Allen for the next four years, as, almost as though he were still on uh, on payroll in a way. Um, but there are kind of some there's some caveats to that. So, for example, Allen had. A uh, what's called a duty to mitigate. He had a basically a uh, a responsibility or an obligation to seek employment in football and get paid at a at a market rate that would be subtracted from whatever Indiana owed him at a given time. So if he'd gone and gotten a job for five hundred thousand dollars coaching, you know, linebackers somewhere, Indiana would have owed him five hundred thousand less per year. Um, and that stuff is just kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's tricky and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's two sides that have to agree. Did you, did you make a good faith effort to find employment? Are you being paid a market rate? All those different kinds of things. Sometimes everybody just wants a cleaner break. And I think in this case, Alan is essentially just getting, as you said, those, those two, um, kind of lump sum payments, um, 7.75 million, I think next month. And then another seven point seven five million sometime next year. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, the the question of where it comes from is, is an interesting one to me. I think 
in the release, Indiana only specified as far as to say, uh, I think Department of Athletics donor funds. That is a comfortably vague term. Um, you know, they, they didn't do what they did with Archie Miller, where they came out and said that one single donor had stepped up and covered the cost of Miller's buyout in 2021. It was a little over $10 million at that time. Um, you know, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is a small group of boosters paying for this. It also doesn't necessarily mean Indiana is just fronting the whole bill itself. I think it's just a way of sort of saying, again, of, of remaining probably somewhat intentionally vague about exactly where that money's coming from, which probably means it's just kind of being drawn from a lot of different sources, probably some donor support specific to this, probably a, a little bit of leaning into the new Big Ten TV revenue streams that are obviously uh, wider and more lucrative than they were even in the last deal, which was, you know, so rich for the conference. Um, so it's probably a, a, a you know, a handful of sources, to be honest. What do you think Tom Allen had to do this season to not lose his job? Zach, any idea? I mean, I think if he'd made a bowl game, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, and I, I guess the probably the ultimate sort of stress test to that question uh, or the answer to that question would have been if he'd if they'd lost to Illinois, but they'd squeezed out the wins over Michigan State and Purdue. Right. Uh, if they'd gone five and seven, they'd won both their rivalry games. You could make some sort of, you know, you could make a credible sort of case of two wins, four wins, five wins. There's progress here. There's some young talent on the roster. Again, I do think Indiana had kind of started to turn some corners in terms of figuring out how to make NIL work for the football program. So maybe you can keep a hold of some of those guys, your, your Donovan McCulley's, your Brendan Soresby's, et cetera. And listen, they may still, let's, let's be fair. I mean, I know these guys are, I know these guys are hitting the portal. I'm going to write some about this later today. Fans should not panic about that. Um, a lot of these guys were probably going to test the portal anyway. That is just the nature of college football today. The question was always going to be, I mean, even Tom Allen himself said after the Purdue game, we just have to go out and re-recruit our whole roster starting, you know, starting tomorrow. The question is not going to be how many guys hit the portal. The question is going to be how many guys the next coach wants back and manages to bring back. Um, because it's, it's much more about, as Allen himself said, re-recruiting your roster than maybe panicking when those guys announce they're leaving. And that doesn't mean they'll all come back. But I think that, you know, it, it, when you talk about what would have kept Allen in a job, you know, I think it would have – I would have been curious to know if 5-7 and seven with the wins over Michigan State and Purdue to end the season might have done it. Um, but then I, I also do think that Indiana would probably still be in a similar position with a lot of these kids hitting the portal. And I don't know that that necessarily would have caused Scott Dolson panic or anything like that. I think everyone understands that's just the modern sort of landscape of college football – but it would have been an interesting stress test, I think, to just kind of see where all the dice landed, if you understand what I'm saying, um, if Indiana had finished 5-7. and seven. It's been all over the story. Uh, Zach Osterman with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Zach, you can point to, I think, any sports uh, franchise, college program. Typically, the hire is a 180 from the previous hire. The Colts, the Pacers, Indiana basketball. I mean, so often that's what you see. Um, If you were going to maybe make a prerequisite list, what would be some of those things on that, you think, for Scott Dolson and company? I I do think... Coaches with extensive experience running their own program um, 
probably hold a lot of appeal for Indiana. I, I wouldn't rule out some potential up and coming assistants. You know, I've got a couple on my 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 coaching board, which I'm sure is full of coaches who will never speak a word to Indiana. That's just how <laughs> these things go. Um, but like I think, you know, Justin Fry, a lot of people have mentioned Justin Fry at Ohio State, who of course played a lot of games for Indiana as an offensive lineman. Fry's been with Chip Kelly at UCLA. He's been with Ryan Day at Ohio State. He's probably kind of young um, in terms of his, you know, his experience. Like I don't think he's called plays um, at either of those stops. But you know, there is some pedigree there, and obviously there's the connection to the program. The other one I'd be curious about from an up-and-coming assistance perspective, if he would be interested, would be Mike Hart, who uh, is Mich- Michigan's running backs coach, but obviously was Indiana's running backs coach for four years. Um, really well respected in Bloomington, left a really positive impression on a lot of people, and there are people up in Ann Arbor who think that Mike Hart may be the head coach of Michigan one day. So that it's, that's not just a, you know, that that sort of opinion of Mike Hart is is not just one that is held by people in Bloomington. Um, that he he's got that kind of gravitas and that kind of ceiling as a coach. Um, but I do think you know at, at this point, and it's very early on. Like, uh, you know, my guess is. I mean, Scott Dolson and Pam Witten, I believe, were both at the basketball game yesterday in Indianapolis. My presumption is that they'll be either on Zooms or in, you know, on a plane today, really starting the process of, of digging through and speaking to people directly and not just sort of making calls and making lists, but, but trying to hone in on, you know, a more sort of refined list of candidates. I suspect most or all of those are going to be coaches with a lot of experience running their own program, whether it's maybe somebody, you know, who's in a, you know, a Pac-12 or a Big 12, I guess, now job that they might want to try and lure with some Big 10 money, whether it's somebody down at the group of five level, like a Willie Fritz, whether it's somebody who's not in, in coaching at the moment, like Dan Mullen or Paul Chris. I think there's a feeling that, you know, with the way the Big 10 is going to be next year and for the next couple of years, um, Indiana has got to have somebody who's a really steady hand at the wheel, not necessarily just because they're the opposite of Tom Allen, but more because it's probably going to be a challenging and turbulent handful of years for Indiana. The Big Ten's getting more difficult. The playoffs expanding. You know, it's, it's, it's not getting easier to win here. Um, and, and I do think there are still some upsides, some upshots to the job. Um, you know, being in the Big Ten, having the Big Ten money, frankly, you know, being buffeted from the winds of, of conference consolidation. But in the same breath, you know, just the, the physical act of winning football games in the Big Ten is getting harder for everybody starting in 2024. And I think Indiana wants someone that has a really sort of clear-eyed vision of being able to come in and say, this is what I do. This is how I run it. You know, I've done this for many, many years, so I know what I'm looking for when I go out and look for transfers, when I go out and look for freshmen, when I go out and look for assistants. You know, there's there's no sort of learning on the job. I just I think at this moment in time, specifically, I don't know that Indiana's the sort of place where you can hire somebody who's got to grow into the job. I think it's got to be somebody with, unless it is a special case, an assistant that just knocks your socks off, or maybe a really young head coach, I think it's going to be somebody that is, is has a pretty extensive head coaching resume. And judging by your tweet from last night, uh, you said we can go ahead and cross John Gruden off, <laughs> off, off the list. You know, listen, I, oh. I, I I don't think you never say never in coaching searches. You know, recruiting and coaching searches are the two things 
never say never. You know, there's there's uh, crazy things are always bound to happen, um, and you never know who might say no or, you know, who might say yes or who might impress you or whatever. Um, I can comfortably say, having dug around that a little bit yesterday afternoon and evening, and Gruden was, you know, a, a, a name that because of his – his sort of tangential ties to Indiana. I had kind of poked around even yesterday morning before I think some national outlets linked him. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable or I'm confident saying as of right now, I do not expect Sean Gruden. (laughs) But I'll always hedge with these things. You know, coaching searches can get weird. They can go sideways. You never know how they might change. So I'm never going to say somebody absolutely will not get the job. Um, but I would not I would not put John Gruden on my list of candidates right now. Let's put it that way. Uh, Zach Osterman on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, you can find out all of his stuff there. Uh, Hotboard 2.0. I'm sure there'll be other renditions. We'll see exactly what this timeline for Dolson and company looks like. Uh, just, you know, I, while we have you, I might as well ask, how concerned should Indiana fans be Xavier Johnson's left foot from last night? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a tricky one because he played through it, and he obviously wasn't 100%, but he played through it in New York. And, you know, maybe there's an extent to which it's it's kind of – you have to sort of do this calculus sometimes, especially in non-conference play around essentially how hard to push a guy. And, you know, I mean, hey, when David Johnson went out, Indiana was down one, or, or at least I guess he went out in the first half. He didn't come back after halftime, but at halftime, Indiana was losing by a point. Um, but then Indiana, of course – kind of takes care of business without him, doesn't really look like they, they, they need him. And I'm not saying they're better without him by any means. I'm just saying sometimes you have to do this calculus with players who maybe are fighting through nagging injuries. And it's kind of one of those where if it's, you know, if it's the semifinal of the Big Ten tournament, I'm betting Xavier Johnson comes back into that game, if you understand my point. Oh, sure, uh, right. But because it's Harvard on, a sun, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving – it's a game that Indiana should and ultimately does win, you know, fairly comfortably without him. Um, it's probably one of those where it's a little bit of a better safe than sorry. I think that, you know, the, the, maybe the, the better test will be kind of number one, obviously how he's able to manage it over the coming weeks. But number two, you know, does he play against Maryland Friday night? If it's still bothering him, do they wind up holding him out of Michigan or Auburn games where, a, he probably wants to play both as a competitor and just for the chance to, you know, kind of showcase his, himself against better uh, opposition. And B, in games where Indiana's going to look at it and say, eh, we probably need him. You know, we didn't need him against Carter. We probably need him in this game. Um, I'll be curious to see that. But, but I guess what I'd say at this point is it does feel a little bit like one of those where he played through it when Indiana you know, kind of needed him to and when maybe he was saying, no, I want to play at the Garden. I want these I want to play these tough teams. I want to be there for my teammates. That's kind of what he said after the UConn game or the, or the Louisville game. I can't remember which one we talked to him after. But, um, you know, it, it might be one where a little bit like the way they managed Trace Jackson Davis's injury around the same time last year in the games where maybe they can live without him if it's bothering him, they just sit him down. Zach, great stuff, man. Um, I know it's been a super busy time for you, so appreciate you making a little bit of time for us. And uh, good luck with uh, the rest of this week playing out. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, Ronnie Harrison Jr. going to join us here in just a second. That's uh, the words from Shane Steichen, the play-by-play from Matt Taylor, a big moment in yesterday's game. He He looked like a safety making that play, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you damn right he did. You better believe he did. That's one thing we got to ask him, changing positions and everything else uh, once you get to the NFL. Let's get him going. Ronnie Harrison Jr. joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ronnie, thanks a lot, man. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we were listening bef- as you were dialing in, uh, Coach Steichen post game talking about you know people on the sideline knowing what play Tampa and Baker Mayfield were kind of going to go to, and you knew as well and made the play. So, what did you see, and what, and when did you know the play and what Baker was going to do with the ball there? Um, well, really, uh, kind of was just playing reactive, you know. Um, uh, they gave a play fake at first, so we were thinking run to the left. And then uh, after that, I'm just trying to get back to my spot on the field. And then uh, I just take a peek at Baker, notice him, noticing him staring down the route. So I just kept going to it, turned back around, and the ball was there. So I just catch it. And um, it was exciting, man. Uh, I can't even believe it. It's a blessing. Ronnie, before yesterday, when's the last time you played linebacker <laughs> in a football game? Never. <laughs> Never played linebacker. Wow, that one time? Were you always a DB? Yes, sir. Always a DB. Um, grew up playing quarterback and then moved to DB uh, in high school. Played DB my whole career until yesterday. So um, it's good to start out the linebacker career with a, with a pick. So for those unfamiliar with your story, by the way, Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Again, you heard the highlight right there, the big second quarter INT, which the Colts turned into seven. Um, so the Colts approach you. You spent training camp with the team, a little bit of training camp with the team. Um, then you come back onto the practice squad earlier in the season, and they approach you then, and they kind of pitch this, hey, I know you were a safety. What do you think about linebacker? Is that kind of how it went? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A um, couple of the coaches came to me and – they just said that they think I'll be a better fit, you know what I'm saying, that linebacker. Um, I could still play safety if need be, but um, they wanted to see what I could do at linebacker. So I've just been working there the whole season um, on practice squad, like you said. I'm just trying to learn the fundamentals, get the techniques down, you know, get used to playing the position. Not to get too – sorry to interrupt, and not to get too personal, I've certainly put on some pounds here over the last handful of days thanks to the Thanksgiving holiday. Have you had to put on weight to play a little linebacker? <laughs> Oh yeah, yes sir, definitely. Um, I put on about ten, ten to fifteen solid, solid pounds of muscle um, since they made the switch. So, um, yes sir, I definitely had to get a little bit thicker to go in the box. So is that what, like two? What are you at, two twenty-ish? Yes, sir. Around two twenty. You mentioned technique. What's the most difficult football thing transitioning positions while you're in the NFL? Um, really. Really, it's just, I mean, being able to deal. Cause you go from dealing with wide receivers, tight ends, to now you're dealing with 300-pounders. So, uh, really, that's the <laughs> that's the biggest switch right there, uh, just being able to play with leverage and uh, use my hands more and uh, so I can be active and use my skill set. Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us here on The Fan. It's a reaction Monday. Colts winners over the Bucks, 27-20. You know, we've had, especially after these wins, Ronnie, we've had players on here, and I kind of ask the same generic question. Usually get a pretty fun answer. Uh, what's the locker room like? But it also, it seems like this team has a pretty good feel around it. Would that be fair to say? What's the feel around this team? Seems to be fun, at least. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we're having fun. You know, we're taking things one one week at a time, and uh, we're we're on the details. We work hard during the week, and um, Sunday is fun day to me. You know, we go out there, we have fun, we cheer, we cheer each other on. You got offense coming down there, giving us high fives when we do good. We we cheer them on while they're on the field. So it's a it's a big group effort. Um, I love the locker room. I think we're headed in the right direction, and uh, we're just taking it one week at a time. It's now linebacker in your program, <laughs> Ronnie Harrison Jr. joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ronnie, I want to go back to last Monday and Tuesday for you. Um, I, I, I don't know how well you know Shaq Leonard or maybe know, knew him before your arrival here, but what were your emotions like when you saw his release? Um, honestly, I was a little shocked. Like I, I didn't expect it or see anything like that coming. Um but, you know, it's it's the NFL, you know, stuff stuff like that happens, you know what I'm saying? But um I was just shocked initially. Um I knew the guys with I know uh Zaire and, you know, E J and those guys, or the rest of the guys in the room. I know they they had a close bond with Shaq, you know, me just getting here. I was getting to know him but he's treated me well, you know, he tried to teach me a lot of things while I was here, you know what I'm saying? So I got much respect for him. I played against him while I was in Jacksonville, so um I got much respect for him. I, I almost thought it was like a movie scene playing out yesterday when they showed the tribute video of him. He's on the Jumbotron, and then you make the interception, whatever it was, two minutes later. Did you happen to see that video? And if I'm, that had to be one of your first plays on the field, too, even uh, even during the game. Yes, sir. I seen him. Uh, I seen him doing the, uh, the tribute video to him, and seen him up there in the stands with his family. And uh, that just kind of got me turned too. I didn't, I didn't expect, it, expect him to be at the game, so I'm like, okay, Shaq here, like I gotta go crazy, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I just felt like I had to respect him and you know go crazy in that moment and um, just show them guys that you know I could play too, you know, and I don't, I don't want the level of play to drop just because he's not here. Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us here on The Fan. Uh, how much, we'll get back to the culture in a second, how much did you see the Iron Bowl over the weekend? Oh, boy. Did you see what happened there? Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> did. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Um, came down to the end, and we, we got the win in the end, but uh, that was too close for me. <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of the Iron Bowl, do I have this correct? This off season, you did you go back to Tuscaloosa, or did you do it online in finishing up your degree? I did it online, but I went back for graduation. Yes, sir. Nice. And part of this, to have this correct, was because you know you 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 didn't have an NFL home during the off season. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, I was already working towards it the last few years. Like in the off season, I'd take a couple classes when I could. But this was like perfect timing. You know, I didn't have a, a NFL home, like you said, so I was able to go back and do the graduation process and see Coach Saban. So it was good for me to be able to do that. Um, and go back because that was my first time going back since I left. So hmm. it was actually great. So the Colts bring you in. Again, Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us. You saw the interception. Honestly, looked like a DB making that leaping grab against his former teammate Baker Mayfield with that pick there. Um, Ronnie, I guess, is there any sort of seed of doubt that creeps into your mind as you know you go through this past offseason, it's very quiet and teams calling you, you know, training camp starts, you get a couple weeks into camp, still no one has called you. What was that feeling like? And potentially did you think, oh boy, you know, maybe I have had my last crack at it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was that was a tough situation. Um, I'm not even gonna lie, like it definitely was times like 
you know, I'm just, I'm training and I'm coming home and I go through the week and I'm just like, bro, like, what, is, what am I training for? You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I doing? I'm not hearing anything. I'm going back and forth with my agent, not hearing anything. So it really, uh, it really humbled me um, all in all. And uh, I really had to turn back to God and start praying, you know, and going back to church. And that really just helped me with that process and find strength to just keep going. But um, it was tough. I'm not even going to lie. It was very tough. What do you think the prep will be like for the Titans and then yourself? How do you grow your role here with this team, do you think? I think it's just, you know, continue to try to, you know, be effective with the plays that they give me. You know, go out there and be an impact, you know, with whatever, whatever amount of plays that I get, you know, just try to make an impact. Um, just try to use my skill set to an advantage. So that's my that's my biggest thing. That's my biggest thing. That's what I'm trying to bring to this defense. You know, my skill set and just play fast and try to get turnovers and you know and play with excitement. You know, play with energy. That's my thing. What a moment it was yesterday, Ronnie. I can only imagine what obviously the last few months, but in particular the last week, has been like for you. Quite the uh, emotional roller coaster. Uh, but a hell of a play yesterday. Congrats on the win. And uh, good luck uh, down in Tennessee coming up on Sunday, and appreciate the time here. All right, thank you. I appreciate you guys bringing me on.